The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Put your boots on and get your cold weather gear and uh, go have a good time and, and get us going because the, the, the crowd has been outstanding all year. Uh, we've fed off it. We've had some tough games as far as uh, really close games at home and I think our players have fed off that emotion so our boys could use it and we'd love to have, have the guys uh, giving it everything they got. Well, for the first time in 2019, it's a playoff weekend at McMahon Stadium. Yes, sir. That's the, that's Stampeders head coach Dave Dickinson ahead of Sunday's West Division semifinal. Stamps, Bombers, Sunday afternoon at McMahon. Mr. Klein, I've got the Stamps. They're at home. They're healthy. It's the playoffs. They don't lose these games very often. They're getting healthier. They're turning back into the deep team we thought they were. I know that you're big on the Bombers, and I get I'm curious as to what way you're leaning on this one for Sunday, but I've got the stamps over the Bombers. I just think that with who they have at quarterback, with Bo Levi playing the way he is, with this team getting healthier, they'll have Begleton, they'll have Rodgers, they'll have Amos, they'll have Roberson. Like This is going to be one of the healthiest looks we've seen from the Stampeders all year long at home in a playoff game against a Bombers team with a quarterback who has played one full game all season. Yeah, I'm leaning Calgary's way for the West Division semifinal on Sunday. Yeah, I I like a lot of Winnipeg's team. I like them almost at every position except for quarterback. And it's just you you don't make a lot of money betting against Bo Levi Mitchell in this situation. I I am leaning stamps as well. I'm going back and forth on this one quite a bit. I think if I were to lay money down, it would be on basically whichever team is the underdog because I think it's going to be a very close game at McMahon coming up on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is a really talented Winnipeg Blue Bombers team, but both thrives this time of year. So I'm going to go with the, the stamps specifically and only because of Bo Levi Mitchell versus Zach Caleros and uh, Strevler. I mean, I won't lie. I'm curious as to how the Bombers are going to go about their quarterback business. We talked about this a little earlier in the week, but do we see the Bombers use a steady diet of Streveler? Is Streveler even going to be healthy for this game? Um, because the last check, he's not even, he's not at 100% as of yet. So is Streveler going to be healthy? And if he is, is he going to be used as that change of pace quarterback? Are they going to use him in a lot of short yardage situations and, and use him in some wildcat scenarios here and there? That's that's the one X factor about this game that I'm not sure about. But even knowing that, it's it's tough to pick against the Calgary Stampeders in this spot. Yeah, the Streveler one is interesting just because of the health situation. If he's healthy, I would imagine you see a few packages set up for him, but I'm not convinced that he's going to be all the way back in time for Winnipeg. No, to be I'm using not him. either. They're, they're a very creative team. Otherwise, you see some of the plays they do off of either fake kicks or the, the fake QB sneak on third and short and second and short in some situations. I think we're going to see a little bit. I think it was, was it John Madden who called it trickeration? Um, we're going to see a little bit of that uh, coming up from the Bombers, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think the Stamps have done a great job of bottling up Andrew Harris, and if they're able to do that and put Caleros in second and long situations, it's going to be a, a tough night for Winnipeg to overcome. 
I've got Montreal in the East Division semifinal. That kicks off the first playoff weekend of 2019 on Sunday morning. 11 o'clock kickoff for that one. I don't like that Trevor Harris, Edmonton's quarterback, has played just one game since the Labor Day rematch. I like Vernon Adams. I like him in a big game scenario. I feel like he is the type of personality to thrive in a playoff situation at home. So I like Vernon Adams. I like that Montreal offense. And I worry about where Edmonton's offense is. Even in the one game that Trevor Harris played when he returned a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't like the guy was um, shooting the lights out and looking like the MOP candidate from the first half of the season. So I've got my worries about Edmonton. Edmonton's offense and and I don't like that setup on the road for them at all no and for a few years Montreal's only issue they had a lot of talent at various different spots they needed a quarterback it looks like they have found that now in Vernon Adams the the part of Edmonton's game that concerns me the most is they are I, I I'm, I'm trying to find the, the stats on the fly and I can't it feels like they're the most undisciplined team in the Canadian Football League and you cannot extend drives for other teams or put yourself behind the sticks uh, in a playoff game and try to have some success. I just, I worry a bit about the discipline of Edmonton, especially in a big game traveling East. It's an 11 o'clock start for their body clock. It just, there's too many things going up against them. I, I like Montreal and I think that sets up one heck of an East final with the Alouettes taking on the Ticats. Uh, on the, uh, on the kind of wavelength of the, of the Alouettes, I I do like I I have some worries about them defensively. They have been very easy to hit over the top, and I wonder if this is the highest scoring of the two games on Sunday. Like I feel Calgary Winnipeg has a low scoring feel to it. Edmonton Montreal has a shootout feel to it. Um, I I think that that offense is definitely susceptible. Uh, sorry, that defense is definitely susceptible, especially the defensive backfield with the uh, with the way the teams can go over the top on Montreal. Like they're they're good for it. Feels like 300 yards against through the air every single week. So I, I think that we're talking about a high scoring game, but I'll still take Montreal to win that football game on Sunday. Um, uh, j- just to counter that, ahead, though, sorry. Um, I, I think that's why this matchup actually helps out Montreal a little bit because Trevor Harris occasionally will but he might be the most conservative quarterback in the league he 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 likes his short quick passes i think montreal's defense will be able to to rally to the football that way he's only one to stretch the field a couple times a game so i think it actually works in montreal's favor a little bit maybe there'll be some game plan stuff where he pushes it down the field a bit more but he is much more comfortable with just short little check downs underneath yeah they definitely do uh it's a five and six yard little as yeah. as many little cuts yeah death by a thousand cuts kind of the, thing exactly yeah as opposed to the the big shots over the middle there's no doubt about that let me um let me bounce my here's here's how i voted for the 2019 cfl awards the uh nominations came out yesterday and and um i just want to go check before i go any further uh, i believe that nominations are now closed for the um but here's how i voted I went with um, I went with Banks over Fajardo. Agree or disagree for most outstanding player? Agree. Yes. Obviously, I'm going to have a little favor toward a guy in green and white, but I mean Brandon Banks has been the clear choice for most outstanding player this year. 
in full disclosure, I went Vernon Adams over Brandon Banks for my East Division nominee, but I would have hmm. taken either over Fajardo. And that's no knock on how Fajardo's played this year because he's played really well this year. But yeah, I went with I went with uh, Banks over Fajardo. I just take a look at he led the league in total in, in touchdowns. He le- led the league in receiving yards. He is an absolute game breaker in every sense of the word. So that's why I went with with Brandon Banks on my um, most outstanding defensive player. That's a tough choice. Yeah. I went Simone Lawrence over Willie Jefferson. Lawrence just seemed to impact the game in every way. Multiple interceptions, multiple force fumbles, one of the leaders in uh, overall tackles when it's all said and done. I mean, I, I just couldn't. Willie Jefferson's an absolute freak, but I could not go against a guy like Simone Lawrence in the type of season that he had. No, and it really is splitting hairs when, when you are getting down to, to players of this caliber. I will say one thing that would be the deciding factor for me, and it probably doesn't factor into the criteria at all, but you, you look at how big Brandon Banks has been all season long, and with Winnipeg, two of their biggest games of the season against Calgary, Willie Jefferson was completely silent. That kind of tips it in, in Lawrence's favor for me. Welcome to the program. Uh, that's just a little CFL talk to uh, whet your appetite on a Friday afternoon. We are live from Winsport on this Friday afternoon. The Steinberg Show is underway, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. He's Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're here at Winsport for the 2019 Rocky Mountain Classic, uh, the eighth year of existence where 16 of the top Bantam teams from across the country are in the house. So we're here at Winsport, and this place is buzzing. I have, And I've been to Winsport where I feel like I'm, I'm here like 50 times a month. Um, I've been to Winsport many times. I've never seen this place this busy. This place is jammed. You cannot find a, uh, a spot in the parking lots. Overflow parking is overflowing. The uh, Calgary Northwest Hockey Association has put on a really, really good tournament. So 16 teams from across the country, five from BC, eight from Alberta, one from Sask, and two from Manitoba are in the house for the Rocky Mountain Classic. It goes on all weekend long. Last night, 5-2 win for the Flames over the New Jersey Devils in what was their most decisive win of the season, at least if you ask me. They were asked for a much better effort. They were asked for a complete game. They were asked to be engaged. Flames checked all those boxes last night. Before we get any further, let's take a look back. It's time for last night's Game in a Minute. Game in a Minute, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Be winter ready with free winter tires, free rock guard, and free oil changes and tire rotations with every new in-stock 2019 vehicle. Visit HyattInfinityCalgary.com. Empower the drive. Good evening, hockey fans, and welcome inside Scotiabank Saddledome, where tonight, New Jersey native Johnny Gaudreau and the 9-7-2 Calgary Flames will take on Calgary native Taylor Hall and the 4-5-4 New Jersey Devils. Hughes busts in, Hughes, Geeks, shoots, scores! Ryan across the Devils line, dancing in, Ryan, Geeks, shoots, scores! What a move by Derek Ryan! He goes forehand to backhand and buries it, and the Flames tie this game at one. The Hughes centers, and Gusev scores! Forced beyond the net by Subban, centers, Monahan scores! Speeding it up the left wing side with a shot, they score! Michael Backlund finally gets a little puck luck. 
just throws the puck towards the Devils net and bounces off someone or something and by Mackenzie Blackwood and it's three to two flames. Monahan to center. Left wing side to Gaudreau, who steps in Gaudreau, shoots and scores! Johnny Gaudreau with a burst of speed gets to the Devils net and puts a perfectly placed backhand into the top corner. Make it four unanswered for the Flames who have a five to two lead. Well, that'll do it. The sea of red rises here at Scotiabank Saddledome as the Flames erase 1-0 in 2-1 deficits and score four unanswered goals in an impressive 5-2 victory over the Devils to improve to 2-0 to start their four-game homestand. Not much to dislike about that one last night, Mr. Klein. The Flames are the better team. We're the better team on paper. You take a look at them talent for talent. They're deeper. They're more talented. So it was on them to go out and dictate that and make sure that shone through. And, and I thought that they did just that. Uh, that was as decisive a win as we've seen for the Flames all year long. Yeah, and it, it checked off a lot of the boxes that I think the coaching staff wanted to see. They face a little bit of adversity New Jersey gets two goals that I would suggest are against the flow of the play. I thought Calgary controlled basically all of that game, start to finish. The Devils take advantage of a couple breakdowns. The Flames don't just crawl up into a hole. They're able to push back. They take a lead. Up two goals going into the third period. That is a script that we have seen before that hasn't necessarily worked out for them. And they kept uh, the pedal to the metal. It was an impressive performance against the Devils team that looked like they were coming on. It was a quick Devils team. Speedy teams tend to give the Flames some issues. There was none of that. I made the comparison with Lou in Hockey Central at noon that this was very much like a, an MMA fight where one fighter controlled where the entire fight took place. It felt like the Flames were able to, to dictate what speed that game was played at for 60 minutes. Yeah, they uh, they did a nice job, and I mean, look, they needed to. You probably didn't want to uh, give one up to the New Jersey Devils, and look, the Devils were playing some good hockey coming in. They were four one and two prior to last night's game over a seven game stretch. But I thought more than anything else, and this is something we haven't seen a lot of this year, but. Calgary's depth won them that hockey game because I thought the top six on either side sawed one another off, and I thought the Hall and the Hughes and the uh, Gusevs on, on New Jersey were as impressive as the Monahans and the Lindholms and the Gaudreaux for the Flames. Where the Flames really won this game was with their depth forwards. The top, the top six was fine, but the bottom six was really good. Derek Ryan's line, Mark Jankowski's line, all six of those players last night got the job done. And that's an area where on paper and personnel-wise, the Flames have the advantage. Now, it doesn't always work that way, and it hasn't worked that way consistently this year. But last night, I thought that that's, that's why we talked about this team having depth advantages coming into the season. Um so, yeah, I thought Derek Ryan was outstanding. I love Tobias Reader's game. Uh, I thought that was one of Lucic's most effective games of the year. Jankowski's played three really good games in a row. Uh, Bennett was on it. Quine was fine. Like, those six guys in the bottom six got the job done, and, and I thought won them that hockey game. And I thought, we talk about how the Flames were able to play that game. I thought Ryan and Sam Bennett and Alan Quine kind of set the pace for that and dictated how it was going to go. A couple very good shifts 
early on in that game really set the tone for the night. Uh, I wasn't as thrilled with Jankowski's game as everyone else seems to have been. I, I thought there was... Uh, I think it was the second goal where yeah, he, he, he could have done. Yeah, he could have done more. Mistake, no doubt on about that it, one. But uh, so I, I maybe part of this is being a Jankowski hater a little bit, but I, I I'm still not all the way there on Jankowski. But I, I'll I'll go a step further. I thought the top six for the Devils kind of outplayed the Flames' top six a little bit, and I thought the bottom six was just so much more effective for the Flames, especially the Derek Ryan's, and then you get a very strong contribution from your blue line to really hammer everything home. You know, on the Jankowski front, um, I I don't know why you hate him. I don't know what he's ever done to you. Um, but I have definitely been critical of him as well. And and I think that the criticism has been warranted. He's been sat out three times this year as a healthy scratch. But I feel like since getting back in the lineup, and specifically the last three games, he's played the best he's played all year. I think that he has made an impact in all three of the games that he has played in this year. You go take a look at the underlyings last night, Kleiner. They were pretty darn impressive for, for that Jankowski line. They all were under 38% on their offensive zone start. Uh, they all were up over 60% possession uh the chances were uh slanted in their direction at high danger at five on five like i i know that there was the mistake uh, he and lucic got a little mixed up on that second two-on-one goal um when stone stepped up um both guys had to engage uh different guys and neither did and that allowed a two-on-one to go um and it ended up in the back of their net but i i can take a mistake when you play pretty well and i can take a mistake when you're in a stretch of playing your best hockey of the season i'm okay with mistakes they happen um but what i what i like is that jankowski has finally started to look like the player that the flames wanted him to be coming into this season he's been a little bit more physically engaged he has really done a nice job in the cycle down low possession game that line has they've been generating scoring chances against other fourth lines that's what i've liked about jankowski i get it you're not all the way there and it's only three games i'm not all the way there either but i'm i'm I've seen positive signs from him the last three games, no doubt. Yeah, I, I guess there has been a bit of an improvement there. I, I'm still, he's not to where I want him to be just yet, and maybe it's unfair expectations on me. I just, I, I don't think he had the game last night to, to point out. I, I think guys like Ryan uh, and players like that kind of overshadowed him a little bit. The underlying numbers were great, and I, I have no argument for that because they're on paper. I can't necessarily disagree with that he, he has been fine I'm just I'm always left wanting a little bit more from Mark Jankowski but I don't know if that's ever going to change probably not uh, and, not- and that's that's probably a me thing more than <laughs> a him thing he as a fourth line center I, I don't know if I, I see that the same physical engagement that that you're seeing quite as much well, uh, I no, think there I'm, could be more I'm and seeing I'm, him being again you got to be like I'm I'm seeing him be more engaged relative to where he was earlier this season. Yeah. Oh, I, he's he's never going to be Lucic. Like I, I I understand that. I just and we're, we're arguing over a fourth line center after a five two win. So I, I probably should let this one go. Um. But I, I I still I still think there is more for Jankowski to give. I was great. Don't, I don't disagree that there is more. And you're going. I think that that's going to be the thing that he struggles with for the rest of his career is. You see the package, you see the size, you see the hands, you see the skill. I think that's always going to be something that he battles, leaving you wanting more. And I am i don't know if he's ever going to get past that. It's its why he's 25 years old and, and, you know, has been talked about a lot in trade conversation. And I don't think that's going away. I just, 
when I'm critical of a guy and, and have been critical of the guy for most of this season, when I see a stretch where he's playing well, I, I also think it's fair for me to, to point that out because I you know, I just think if you're going to be critical of a guy when he plays well, uh, then I think you need to uh, highlight that. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do that because you don't see it the same way, but I, I feel like if I see him playing well, I'll give him credit because I do think the last three games he has played pretty well. You're yeah. right, though, on the one thing. Yeah, any any last closing remarks? Well, no, I just when I see him play well, I'll, I'll say it too. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. We're on different pages in that regard. Um, the D pairings, they're not getting changed for tomorrow. They were the exact same at practice again today. Uh, and it worked out well last night. And we were buzzing about Hannafin Anderson yesterday, about what that could be for the future, for the long term, and what it could be right now. Well, in the right now, Hannafin and Anderson looked really good together. Three points from Hannafin and just as a pairing together at five on five, they looked really good together. I was I was quite impressed by that. Yeah, that was a, a pairing that we were kind of gushing about going into the game, and they did nothing to change our opinions of that. I thought they were excellent last night. I, I loved Hannafin and Anderson. Um, offensively, you can see the upside is there. Defensively, I didn't see many warts with them either. This is it's one game, and we don't want to overreact. But that was absolutely everything you wanted to see from that pairing and i think you see enough of that that it is 100 percent worth another look going up against the st louis blues on saturday and and finally there's no doubt that tomorrow is is going to be a significantly different looking game like if you if if the flames put that exact same effort on paper or not on paper if they put that exact same effort from last night on the ice tomorrow night it's not going to look like that because the Flames can play as well as that last night, and the Blues might still beat them. That's how good St. Louis is. The Blues are on a six-game win streak heading in. We we all know what they are. They're the defending Stanley Cup champions. So the St. Louis comes in rolling, and the Flames are going to need an effort like last night's to, to be in the same conversation with them. And, and, and I think the Flames have the capability of doing that. And if they do that, I'm excited for a really even, hard-fought, fun hockey game tomorrow. I'm hoping the Flames bring that again and, and start bringing that on a consistent basis. When they do that against teams like New Jersey, they're probably going to win. When they do that against the really other really good teams in this league, well, sometimes they'll win, sometimes they won't. I want to see a really hard-fought game between these two tomorrow night. Yeah, and I, I, I will say I think the New Jersey Devils are a bit of a tougher test than some have been giving them credit for. 4-1-2 and two in their last seven third in the league in fewest shots allowed so this wasn't just some nobody team that they steamrolled this was a team that was starting to figure things out but that they're still not close to the level of the st louis blues this is absolutely going to be a measure stick game for the flames going up against a st louis blues team that has dealt with some injuries a little bit but are still to, to steal the cliche i suppose firing on all cylinders they look real good, and I, I want to see the Flames put this together for more than one game because we've had the, this conversation before. We, we've done, maybe not necessarily you and I because it's only been a week, but we, we've had the, boy, the Flames put everything together and didn't they look good? The problem is it's only been every now and then. I want to see it for two, three, four games down the road, and a mm. Saturday night against the Stanley Cup champions is a very good time to string this one together for a second game in a row. 
Steinberg Show is underway. He's Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. Do you have a young person in your life? Do you have a son or a daughter who is a huge Flames fan and would like to help out on a Flames broadcast with us? Because we are looking to hire a rookie reporter for a December 14th game. Well, the December 14th game. They're only playing one. Against the Carolina Hurricanes at the Scotiabank Saddledome. So here's the deal. One lucky entrant is going to win a pair of lower bowl seats, a behind-the-scenes tour of the Saddledome, and a turn on Flames Radio uh, during a game from the Peter Marr Broadcast booth. Head to sportsnet.ca slash 960 to enter. The winner will be chosen and contacted on November 25th. It is our Flames Junior Reporter, and it's brought to you by South Trail Hyundai. Go to southtrailhyundai.com or visit Facebook and Instagram for the South Trail Hyundai experience. We started the segment with the playoff weekend in the CFL. We'll continue that conversation next with our CFL insider, Jeff Craver. Steinberg Show's underway. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvenue.com. Let's welcome in our CFL insider, Jeff Creever from CFL.ca, as we get set for the first playoff weekend of 2019. East Division semifinal Sunday at 11 a.m. Calgary time. West Division semifinal, 2.30 kickoff, McMahon Stadium, Stampeders, and Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Mr. Creever, are you ready for some playoff football? Oh, I'm ready. I'm good to go. i I've... I have, to, I have to stop and think about where I am for a second. Busy week on the road, but uh, I, I'm fired up. We got two great games on on uh, Sunday, and, and with two pretty unpredictable outcomes. I really, I, I don't have a clue what's going to happen. Where? So where are you right now? I, I am in Montreal. I, I landed in Montreal. Uh, a bit of a delay last night, so it was like a 4 a.m. landing time coming from coming from Edmonton, connecting in Toronto. So. Uh, it's been a bit of a week, but took in practice uh, this afternoon for the Alouettes and uh, a pretty fun atmosphere for that team uh, practicing outside of the Big O. Uh, we had the snow coming down today in, in Montreal as uh, the Alouettes are getting ready to host their first playoff game since 2014. So tell me about the moods of both teams. You were in Edmonton first. Uh, we're at practice for the Eskimos. Now you've taken in some time with the Montreal Alouettes and you'll do so again tomorrow What's the mood like? How are these teams acting? I guess give us a feel from both sides of the East Division semi. Yeah, a very stark contrast between the two teams. and The very serious, uh, pressure-packed sort of situation for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, Laser-sharp focus there. Uh, This is a team of veterans. They've done it before. Uh, A lot of players that have been to a lot of great cups. Uh, Talking to Greg Ellingson yesterday, he's played six seasons in the league, not including this year, and of the teams he's played on, uh, five of them have gone on to play in the Grey Cup. Uh, so he's got a lot of Grey Cup experience. Same thing with Trevor Harris. Uh, we all hear the storylines about Jason Moss and the, the pressure that uh, he's feeling going into the playoffs. In, in Montreal, it's the opposite. It, it really is. This is a this is a laid-back team. Uh, they're trying to keep things light. Um, there are a few guys that have been around for some of the leaner years in Montreal. Uh, I was going through some of the names today, Christian Matt. Uh, John Bowman, one of them, uh, Chris Aki and Enoch Mwamba have been around a little bit. Um, and they, they understand the significance of this, what it means for the Alouettes to have a, a home playoff game and to be, to be back and going for, competing for a great cup. Um, but at the same time, uh, that's just the Kahari Jones way of doing things. He, he keeps a laid-back atmosphere. Everybody's joking around. Everybody's having fun. And 
And you, know, you see Curry dancing on the sidelines during games and the, the atmosphere they've had at home. It, it, it's, it really was quite a contrast between uh, those two teams. And, and, and talking to our guy here, Chris O'Leary, I mean, we, we've never, you never know what it actually means. You never say, hey, this team doesn't look focused. Um, you don't often take a lot from that and say, oh, they're going to lose now because and, and, it can go anyway. But it's just really, really interesting to see the difference between the, the two teams and the way they're approaching things. How uh, concerned are you or how much of a factor is it that Trevor Harris has only played one game since the Labor Day rematch? It's, it's essentially been one game in two months for Harris. Yeah, it, it is. And he got injured on, I believe it was September 7th. So um, he's only made one start since then. And then he comes back and they sit him, they sit him again uh, so, so to get him healthy. But you know what? It's, it's just one of those things where, yeah, it's, it's been a long time uh, since we've seen Trevor Harris in a groove and playing every single week. Uh, and I, I, I'm really curious to see how that's going to affect him. Yeah, he's been practicing, uh, but he's going to have some rust to shake off, I think. And tell me about the other quarterback in this matchup. You know, we've been talking about Vernon Adams Jr. all year long. Full disclosure, he was my number one vote for East Division MOP um, behind, ahead of Brandon Banks. I know that Banks was the one that was voted through, but I, I voted for Vernon Adams with my number one vote. He has been outstanding, 36 total touchdowns in the regular season, and he seems like the type of guy that thrives in big game situations. I guess we'll find out if that's true shortly. Absolutely, and and that's been one of his greatest traits this season is the way he's played in the fourth quarter. Uh, four comeback wins in the fourth quarter uh, to lead all quarterbacks. Um, the average in the fourth quarter is up around 9.6 yards per attempt. Uh, when the game's on the line, and 10 of his 24 touchdowns this year have been in the fourth quarter, when the game's on the line, uh, there's something about him. He seems to have that clutch gene in him, that thing that you, you can't really measure it, but when it matters, he makes plays, and the other thing about Vernon Adams that's really interesting to me, and, and, and the Eskimos talked about it a little bit, just asking Jason Moss about it and, and some of their defensive players and how they approach it. Um, he, he's not really – he doesn't have any limitations. You know, you can't – it's not that he does one thing particularly well because you think, okay, he's a running quarterback. Uh, but, man, he's got an arm. And for a, for a guy that's a little bit smaller in stature, under six feet, he goes deep. He has been the most successful quarterback – uh, in the CFL statistically on passes of 20-plus yards this year. And they've also gone downfield the most. It, it really is. Uh, he's comparable to Bo Levi Mitchell in that sense. But Vernon Adams has, has had a little bit more success in that department this year. And the playmakers they've got there, um, it, it really makes things difficult for defensive players when Vernon Adams is running around, extending plays with his feet, getting outside of the pocket, uh, improvising a little bit. And then he just has the ability to, with the flick of a wrist, throw a deep ball and, and beat you way down the field so uh, it really is a unique offense and, and what Vernon Adams brings to the table I'm telling you it, it is the real deal this isn't just a one-year thing he is going to be a star in this league for a long time and I'm really excited to see uh, how that translates in a playoff game in his first career playoff start he is Jeff Craver our CFL insider CFL.ca it is the first playoff weekend of 2019 Let's switch to the West Division semifinal, Winnipeg-Calgary on Sunday afternoon. What's your feel on how Winnipeg's going to roll at quarterback in, in terms of not just who starts, but how they use potentially two guys? Well, it sounds like it's going to be Zach Kolaros, and that, and that makes a ton of sense because 
he's he got the last start. He does he did well against Calgary, and we've debated this in the past. But I think there's something to be said when you're facing the Calgary Stampeders and the the veteran team and the success the Stamps have had in the playoffs. And I mean they're they're the gold standard still in the CFL until somebody beats them. The Stamps are the gold standard, and to me, it makes a ton of sense uh, to have Caleros as their quarterback for the Bombers, considering he's beaten the Stampeders the last three times out. What other quarterback can say that? Zach's done it once with the Bombers, uh, twice with the Riders, but he seems to know how to face some of the more difficult defenses in the league, and, and having that veteran presence, he doesn't have to be the most dynamic and most exciting quarterback in the league, but he knows he knows how to run an offense. Uh, he's not going to get thrown off easily um, by schematics, and he's going to let the playmakers around him, like Andrew Harris and a talented defense, make plays and and uh, try to go win a game. So I don't know if we're going to see a lot of Chris Strebler in this game. Uh, we know he's he's been battling the foot injury. Uh, if Chris Strebler can't run as effectively as he has, then I don't know if if that's sort of a an ace in the hole there that you, that you have. I, I don't. I don't I don't know if it's going to work that way. I think we're going to see a ton of Zach. And by the way, Chris Strebler, uh, just breaking down fourth quarter passing stats, they didn't use him much in the fourth. He barely threw passes in the fourth quarter. So I wonder what the trust the trust level is uh, with Strebler. And I think it's a lot higher with Zach Caleros. So I think it's on Zach to go out there for the Bombers and try to win this game. This might be the healthiest the Stampeders have been all season long. Like, that's got to be scary for the opposition. It just happens to be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Sunday because a healthy Stamps team, knowing what they've done battling injuries all year long, is pretty scary. Yeah, and the two that we're waiting on, I guess, well, three if you include Kamar Jordan, but I think we're also waiting to hear about uh, Cordero Law, who would be really big uh, on that defensive line, and then Eric Rogers, who we just know is a proven uh, performer and a big game player. Uh, he had those three touchdowns against the Bombers last year in the Western Final. If this is a healthy Stamps team, and, and Bo Levi Mitchell's feeling it the way he is, uh, he's coming off a pretty pretty disappointing outing, I thought, for as an offense at least uh, in that BC game. I think Bo's going to be locked in and laser sharp in this game. Um, and, it, yeah, it, you're right. If, if this Stamps team is getting healthy, um, th- this is probably the most dangerous team uh, in the West, especially when you hear about what's going on with Cody Fajardo. I mean, we don't know what his status is for the Western Final, but um, I-, I think anybody who's counting out this Calgary Stampeders team right now, I-, I think is making a really big mistake. What were your thoughts on the final nominees for uh, West and East Division All-Stars? Now the voting uh, continues for the next few days until the uh, announcements are made during Grey Cup week, but it's Brandon Banks and Cody Fajardo for Most Outstanding Player. It's Craig Dickinson and Orlando Steinauer for Coach of the Year. Just uh, any takeaways, anything that really jumped off the page for you in terms of the final nominees? Usually not much surprises me when it comes down to these things. Um, I, I thought the most contentious one was going to be for, for coach in the East between Orlando Steinauer and, and uh, Kahari Jones and, and what Jones has done uh, in Montreal with the resurgent Owls team. But uh, Orlando Steinauer, he, he's certainly a deserving candidate, and that's going to be uh, one of the more interesting awards coach of the year between uh, Craig Dickinson in the West and Orlando Steinauer in the East. And I think for MOP, uh, no surprise at all for me there between Cody Fajardo and Brandon Banks. I, I just think what Fajardo's done this season, um, his numbers are really good, and he's done it both through the air and on the ground, and, and what a great story he's been. Uh, and I, I, 
I think it's pretty hard to deny Brandon Banks of an MOP, uh, both in the East and when the award uh, gets voted on for the final time uh, and handed out Great Cup Week. I, I think Brandon Banks has just had an unbelievable season uh, and what he's been able to do in that offense. And, and they can't say it's Jeremiah Mazzoli anymore. You can't just say it's Jeremiah Mazzoli. You can't no. just say it's June Jones. Like the coach changed, the quarterback changed, everything's changed. Brandon Banks is a constant there. And uh, that offense continues to put up video game-like numbers in Hamilton. So I think he's a really big part of it, and his, his skill set and what he can do. Final thought for you, just tell us a little bit about CFL playoff fantasy. The game's a little different in the postseason. Yep, so we're back set up for the postseason, and, and uh, a little bit of a smaller roster. We go from our, our typical seven-player roster now to five as we drop uh, a receiver and a running back, only two games, so a uh, smaller pool of players to choose from. And uh, the cap also goes down. So strategy is a, a little bit tougher, but a, a lot of uh, a lot of real strategy goes into it because you've you're, you're got quarterbacks ranging from Zach Caleros at about 5000 if you want to go cheap there. Uh, or you could load up and go with Bo, which a lot of people are doing, uh, and he's getting closer to that $10,000 range. And, and what you decide to do there is going to impact your other positions. So um, we're back online and, and ready after after uh, a good regular season. Uh, and the, we're, going, we're going all three weeks, including the Grey Cup, uh, CFL Fantasy. Um, so check it out. Good stuff, Craver. Enjoy the East Division semifinal in Montreal. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, pal. Sounds great, Pat. Take care. It's Jeff Creever from CFL.ca on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. This has turned into a bit of an annual tradition in the city. Coming up on November 14th at the Palace Theater downtown, it's Let's Talk Hockey. So here's the deal. It is an intimate evening at the Palace hosted by Rob Kerr and Craig Conroy. So those are your two hosts. And then the two guests, Brad Treleving and Mark Giordano. You get an opportunity to talk hockey with those four gentlemen, that's a pretty cool thing to do. Uh, you get to ask questions, a very informal evening, and all of the proceeds for a very unique night going to the prep program. Tickets are $100, which includes a $50 tax receipt. Go to prepprogram.ca to purchase. But to uh, tell us a little bit more about Let's Talk Hockey on November 14th, let's say hello to Curtis Slater from the prep program who joins us on our program this afternoon. Curtis, thanks for doing this today. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Tell us a little bit more. That was kind of my Reader's Digest of what's coming up on November 14th. Give us a little bit more of a detailed feel as to what's happening at Let's Talk Hockey. Yeah, you bet. So this is, uh, I think this is year 17 now for us that we've been doing this. Uh, started back in the day, Kelly Rudy was actually uh, the guy who got us up and running in the original days. Um, but uh, Rob Kerr and Craig Conroy have kind of taken it over. I think this is year seven for them now. And uh, like you mentioned, it's down at the Palace Theatre. I think, you know, when most people think of fundraisers, they think of some boring banquet hall with a chicken dinner that tastes like rubber. But this is this is not that. This is a, this is quite a fun night. The Palace does an amazing job hosting us there. Um, and Craig and Rob do an amazing job hosting us uh, and emceeing the night for us. And so we have interviews with 
some of the players and some of the staff. We, like you mentioned, we got Geo and True Living coming this year, which is amazing. Um, and we have a lot of fun. It's, uh, there's some hockey trading that hockey card trading that goes along the night. There's a silent auction, live auction. There's a shootout at the end. So it is. It's a fun and formal night uh, to go and hear from some of your favorite hockey people and uh, yeah, just have a good time for a good cause. Yeah, that those. Uh those Kerr, those Kerr Conroy guys don't really know how to talk all that much, do they? Like, you might no, have to it's change uh, yeah. the name. Let's. It's, it's, it's not going to be let's bore yeah. hockey. Hey, uh, let's talk hockey is probably a good way to go about it. No, they uh, they do an amazing job. Yeah, and uh, the conversations are usually good and uh, surprising, and it's amazing what they can get out of those conversations. Yeah, they do an awesome job. So let's talk a little bit more about where the, all the proceeds go to. Uh, Curtis, tell us a little bit more about the prep program. Yeah, you bet. So we've been around, this is our 31st year in operations. We've been around for a while, and we support kids with Down syndrome and their families. So we've been doing that for 31 years in Calgary. Um, and what that looks like, you know, a couple generations ago, if you had a child with Down syndrome, really you were told... Uh, you know, your best bet and hope was, you know, they might walk, talk. If you're lucky, they'll be able to dress themselves. And other than that, you know, just keep them happy. And that was really kind of the message a couple of generations ago. But our founder, 31 years ago, Barb Teen, and uh, some support, like the Woodridge Group, Woodridge Ford Group, uh, they, they challenged that notion. And they said, uh, that's not true. And if we uh, give them the right supports and services, they can actually go on to do some pretty amazing things. So that's our goal. We want kids with Down syndrome to be active and included members of their communities. And for 31 years, we've seen that happen and uh, seen it in action. We've had a lot of our alumni go on to do post-secondary education, go on to do uh, volunteer work, have jobs out in the community. Um, and, yeah, so that's, that's our whole hope and goal, to walk kind of alongside families who have a child with Down syndrome and give them the support and guidance that they need. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing you're doing, Curtis, and and have been doing for more than three decades. And can can you give us a little bit of a of a feel or or a little bit more insight on on some of the differences that you've made in in some of these children's lives and and some of their families' lives? Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of like I mentioned, you know, like our our goal and our target has really been kind of pushing, not just the kids that go through our program, but uh, even just society and kind of recognizing that these kids with Down syndrome as they you know develop into adults uh, can actually contribute quite a bit to their communities and do they just need the opportunity and the chance to do that Um, and if you come to Livestock Hockey next week you'll see you know we'll we'll have quite a few of our volunteers there who are some of our alumni and some of our current clients they'll be there you know selling tickets and introducing some guests up on stage and so you'll be able to see that in action Um, and yeah it's amazing we get feedback all the time from families just saying how fortunate they are to have something like prep in Calgary uh, guiding them and supporting them through their journey. And, uh, yeah, we, I think uh, families in Calgary are pretty lucky to have an organization like PrEP alongside them to support them. Yeah, and I, I like the way that you put it there, Curtis. Like it's, it's Yes, it's it's about uh, helping those who, who are part of the program, but it's also what you're trying to do is, is change the conversation and, and change the way uh, a lot of people think about this topic, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, because there's still a lot of misconceptions out there. Um, and we're continuing to challenge that. And uh, But, no, it's been amazing to see what some of these kids who have gone through the program have gone on to do and continue to do, and they continue to amaze us. Yeah. 
Prepprogram.ca is the website as uh, Let's Talk Hockey is coming up on November 14th once again. Uh, it should be a really fun evening at the Palace. I'll give the uh, details one more time after we say goodbye. But, Curtis, I really appreciate the time this afternoon. Thank you so much, and good luck on November 14th. Have some fun, hey? We will, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's Curtis Slater from the prep program joining us this afternoon. So the event is Let's Talk Hockey. It goes November 14th at the Palace Theater. It's hosted by Rob Curran, Craig Conroy, special guests Brad Living and Mark Giordano. It's just a night of hockey talk that you're going to get in behind the scenes, a little more unfiltered, not so much of the actual hockey talk, but it's more talking hockey. It's a really fun evening. Robbie's been doing it for years. Connie's been doing it for years. And uh, every year, different guests. And every year, people come back raving about it go to prepprogram.ca to purchase your tickets they're 100 and they include a 50 tax receipt and once again you just heard curtis talk about what the prep program does and uh, the difference it makes in lives all the proceeds going to the prep program for the event on november 14th okay that'll do it for the steinberg show brought to you by fifth avenue auto house uh go say hello to craig and the gang i am quite enjoying the brand new 2019 jetta i like the blue uh it's uh, i was in the golf the 2019 golf the jetta for the winter i'm loving it go say hi to craig and the gang at fifth avenue auto house 16th avenue and barlow trail northeast we're still looking for teams for our third annual wild rose brewery beer league broadcast here's the deal go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 tell us why your team should be part of the beer league game that we'll broadcast live for you if you are part of the game you'll also be getting personalized jerseys thanks to our friends at tuxedo source for sports plus an after party at the wild rose tap room it's all brought to you by wild rose brewery brewing quality craft beer in calgary that fuels the hard-working albertan wild rose brewery branded it with character well we if we were making a power rankings of flames games last uh, this season rather if we were ranking the games one through 19 where would last night rank we'll tell you a little bit more that's how we'll kick off pinder and steinberg in just minutes that'll do it for the steinberg show sportsnet 960 the fan